And that's why we call it three view. Because we all have a different opinion. <laughs> if we all agreed, two of us would be redundant. <laughs> This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. In our previous episode, we discussed the finer points of building the Great Plains Electric Cub 2. Join us now for part 2, where we put the finishing touches on it and talk how the model actually flies. And during this build, I tried a few new tools that I haven't used before. One was this little four inch table saw from Harbor Freight. And I use that for, there's a little bit of stick cutting involved. Um, usually I would use a miter box or just an X-Acto or something, but I was marking the ankles on the balsa and then using this table saw and man, it made my life so much easier. Hmm. It's got a very fine, right. fine blade to it. Yeah. I think it comes with two. One is a regular you know, chop saw kind of blade. The other's almost like, um, a Dremel cutting wheel. Hmm. It's just a kind of a textured wheel. And that's what I use. And it makes nice clean cuts. And yeah, I thought that was really easy and saved me a lot of time. Interesting. So I did that. Yeah. And I think they're like 40 bucks, but like everything at Harbor Freight, you can find sales on them. And I wouldn't gather that it would cut much more than that really thin light ply stuff because it would bog down with some of the hardwood um, pieces that I was cutting. Mm. But for RC stuff where you're cutting balsa, it's perfect. How is it on fingers? <laughs> I'll tell you <laughs> sooner or later. I haven't tried it yet. It really bogs down. Yeah. Um, so I used that. What else did I use? Oh, um, ceiling tiles. That was my building board. That worked well. You can pin to it really easily. Mm, let's see what else. I used several different types of glue. I used CA for almost everything, medium and thin. I also used um, wood glue. So I didn't want to epoxy the tail surfaces on. I thought that I might have a problem with it being tail heavy. So I used wood glue back there. That seemed to work really well. Hmm. Interesting. I even used goop in a couple places. I ignored the instructions about epoxy. I went with CA. On everything? Uh, the tail. I mean, no, I changed things around. Like, for example, did y'all CA the uh, the fiberglass in the center wing? Yeah. I did yeah. not. No, I didn't either. I oh, epoxied man. it because experience tells me that uh, CA and, and monocote are usually not friends. So uh, I've had better success covering epoxy with monocote. So that wasn't too hard. And I used thin. I thinned it out a little bit, so. Uh, but no, I I went with CA on the tail, and I I have no problems with that. I think it's, gosh, I I mentioned to you guys that thin CA I was using must have just been fresh out of the pot, because it was like setting things on <laughs> smoking and you see the smoke come off. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, it's like yeah. I I don't think I've ever seen CA set so quickly in my life. You know, I've used it all the time, but I've mainly been using the foam safe, so I'm kind of getting used to that 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 turnaround time. But man, that blue stuff is is wicked fast. <laughs> You know, for thin, rather than squeezing out of the bottle, I was putting it into a small, like a, actually a soda bottle cap. I'd put a little pool in there, and I'd use uh, these tiny disposable pipettes to apply it. And so oh. I was able to control it much better. Hmm. So I tend to overflow thin CA when I'm using it out of the bottle and glue my fingers and stuff. So this worked better. Hmm. All right, so new tools for you guys. Uh, 
For me, I, I think it was the uh, something I made myself. Uh, I just, in fact, Lee has one. These little um, uh, rib alignment tool that I three D printed of my own design, and uh, uh, and although it turned out I didn't really need it because of the notches and the leaning edge. If you remember, yeah, I was going to say I think these self align. Yeah, so I, I I made it and printed it out before I started working on the kit because I knew I was going to need something to align the the ribs and the wing, and then I start building it. I was like, oh man, it's got these notches. I didn't really need to make this little tool, so uh, I'll just I used it a little bit, but then after a while, although I did use it quite a bit for the um, uh, I use it in the tail alignment to get everything vertical, ninety degrees, uh, here and there, so it had some uses. But, uh, but uh, it, that, that was kind of a nice touch in the kit that they had these little vertical slots and leading edge that keeps all the ribs nice and 90 degrees and vertical upright. Yeah, I agree. But the way they have you put the wing together, it, it almost has to be straight. Yeah, yeah, it was a real nice touch. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, just standard glues. I used combination of thin CA, medium CA, epoxy, depending on what I was doing, and, and some canopy glue. Oh, yeah. Lee, anything for you? Uh, basic tools, pretty much everything fits said. I have an old Dremel jigsaw belonged to my dad, so <clears throat> that was very busy. Mm. I love it. It's just okay. kind of a, it's just a nice tool to have, you know, to trim pieces. But for my twin cub, my J6 twin cub, I did use a hot wire cutter to uh, shape blue foam to, uh, you know, set those. Uh, cowls up. You tainted this model with foam? There is foam on this plane, yes. Oh, blasphemy. <laughs> so the guy who suggested yeah. it also <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, then. no lipo. Hey, how about you pull that uh, brushless motor and uh, lipo out of that thing? <laughs> what? Hey, that's for instructions. Yeah, don't <laughs> preach to me. So yes, there is foam on that bad boy. Alright, cool. You've got a mixed media. Oh, that's right. I also use Bondo. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, I did. You notice? Fitz, you no. noticed, didn't you? No. Yeah, if you if you have to put your little list of supplies, what are you going to need to build Lee's twin cub? You need Bondo. Bondo. Okay. I don't think I don't think I want to know. I'll give you five more seconds. The cowl. Oh, I, I assumed you used the stock cowl and just kind of filled I in did. the dimple. I okay. did. The stock cowl's already got holes in it. Not holes, but dimples where dimples. you should cut holes. Yeah, so I filled okay, it with so you filled the dimples. Okay. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Ah, very clever. And extra nose weight. <laughs> well, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna jump ahead and just tell you, I've got another cowl for okay. something for something special coming up. Ooh, nice! The bomber version with the glass, glass nose. You, you are very close. You're very close, <laughs> Terry. Machine guns. FPV. FPV is absolutely correct. Ah. Ding, 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 I'm, ding. I'm mounting a run cam in the nose of my other cowl. Yeah. Neat. And did you hear what Keith Park said, though? He said you need guns coming out the front. Yeah. <laughs> like a 50 cal. Very soft. <laughs> <laughs> cannon. So the cannon. The camera's going to be pointing through a plastic nose. Mm-hmm. And right. It's clear enough that it doesn't affect it too much. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just going to drill out the hole for the motor shaft. And just stick the run cam right through the hole, the center hole. Okay, so okay. it'll be spooked so out. The camera's not looking through the plastic. No, 
that's magic. That's X-ray vision. No, it's looking well, straight, straight through. I the thought hole. you were getting a clear. No, I bought no. I didn't. I, I got a. You note. bought a replacement. Can- okay. Yes, okay. I bought a copy. Yeah. I gotcha. All right. Well, that's clever. Hmm. All right. So let's uh, let's move along here to power systems. So I don't believe that any of us use the brushed motor, either geared or not geared. And no switches. <laughs> Although I did consider it, but I, I did not. So, all right. So, Lee, yours was the most abstract. What's yours? Uh, rubber bands. I got rubber band power. <laughs> uh, what is there to tell you? I have a twin cub. <laughs> I had to buy two of everything. And as I jokingly told you guys before best, it was way more expensive to <laughs> to install electronics in this thing than the cost of the plane and, and the headache building it. So, yeah, uh, but how cool is it now? It is. I think it's pretty darn cool. I agree. They are they are four hundred size motors. I think they are just perfect for the for I say scale like performance, but of course that's sacrilegious, right? <laughs> right. And with a cub that's got ailerons too. So or yeah, not the not ailerons, but full length ailerons. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Okay. Um. So um, I but you used Rimfire four hundreds. I have Rimfire four hundreds. Oh, they're only four hundred. Yeah, oh. they're only four hundreds. Only four. No, no, no. <laughs> it had good performance. I didn't realize they were that small. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I've got a low pitch prop because I wanted more thrust. And uh, what size props? Because I would normally okay. run like a ten seven on a Rimfire four hundred with three S. Darn nabbit! Uh, I'm not in my workshop. Let me pull it up real quick. Ten uh, seven that big? Really? Yeah, yeah. It looks like it. a slow fly or just a regular. No, just a normal. Yeah. I'm not. You know, I'm not sure. I, I I'm looking at the invoice and it says nine sixes, but I don't think I put nine sixes. I think I put ten fives. Okay, I think so, either one of those would be all right. Yeah, so. huh. and, on 3s, I presume. Yes, 3s, and what's what I like, and you haven't seen Terry, is that the cowl is magnetically attached to the fuselage, so the cowl comes off, and my battery tray fits right into the uh, fuel and, and firewall, so I can oh, remove cool. the battery through the nose, and then okay. I use I still use the same battery hatch though to actually power it up. Okay, what size battery did you pick? That one is a 3S3000. Okay, so that sounds about right for twin 400s. Mm-hmm. All right, and have you done a power meter reading? It's it's good. <laughs> Come on, numbers. I thrive on numbers. Uh, well, you didn't. I, I wasn't prepared for numbers, but they, oh, are, they are within range. I think those are 25 amp ES, uh, ESCs, so I'm uh, pretty sure I'm under 20. Oh, under 20? Okay. Mm-hmm. What ESCs did you use? The E-Electroflies. Okay, the silver Plains silver series. Mm-hmm. Okay, twenty fives. All right, meaty, meaty. And I'm using a tactic radio system. Okay, which one? The new one you just reviewed. The new one I just reviewed, the six sixty. Oh, cool. With a six twenty five receiver. I like the, I like the beefier six twenty five receivers. Yeah, I do too. That's what I use most. Yeah, and there's the six twenty four, which only has one antenna, and the six twenty five has dual antennas. I usually go with the twenty five. Yeah, and if you admit, if you saw the review, I just think the deal you can get for combo six twenty fives is really worth it. So uh, I plan to get a lot more of those. I, I had no, I had no issues at all with the radio. It was great. I, I did program for differential thrust, but I just didn't use it. I chose not to. Do you have it on a switch or something? Yeah. Okay. It doesn't you gotta need try it. that out. That rudder is yeah, fine. It was fun. It was fun. It's not about need. <laughs> yeah. get, it, get it into an inverted flat spin. Yeah. 
right. <laughs> your fits on about fits. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Fitz, tell us about your power setup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. He bought the power setup and wrapped the plane around it. <laughs> <laughs> go big or go home, right? Hey, it's, it, you might as well launch it off a rocket pad. <laughs> hey, what Cubs are not supposed to go vertical? You could just, I bet you could throw that thing up, just hold your hand out and let it go. <laughs> let it torque roll itself up into the cloud. It was amazing. This was, but yes, please, Fitz, talk. This is, this was exactly what they recommended. It was a Rimfire 25 on 3S. Where is it recommended? On the box. It's on the box. Really? Yes. I mean, Fitz, come on. You got to tell me when you got that motor and you looked and said, they can't be serious. <laughs> I, I certainly wasn't. Uh, scared about not hit having not enough power that's for sure but <laughs> I, I've got a, i've got i mean i got a plane that's bigger than the cub and it uses a 15 motor and it's actually meant for a 10 and when they said 25 was like that that's got to be a tight I, I don't know that's what they said when well, the good thing is it balanced no no problems <laughs> so that's why they did it. it let's find a motor that has the same weight oh there we go <laughs> and believe it or not it uses a 10 what? kv what's kv it's, it's the right weight <laughs> well it's a 10.7 prop too just like terry says uh and 3s 2200 and surprisingly everything balanced well i was worried i had, I had to use nose weight or something but it was just fine because that big lead motor in it um uh, and yeah so what motor specifically a rimfire 25 Rim, yes rimfire 25 uh, Okay, with a 10.7 pro. 10.7 pro. And only a 2200 milliamp hour? Yeah. Yeah. It's not pushing it too hard? No, no. The thing flies on a quarter, third throttle. I mean, it's full power is, is never needed. Hey, can I jump okay. in? Fitz, do you, do you have your all-up weight? Yes, I do, actually. What is it? All-up weight with or without battery? With battery. With battery is two pounds, eight ounces. Mine was two pounds thirteen ounces. I couldn't wow. believe I was under three pounds. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And the Tower Hobbies website, their listing for this plane shows originally with can motor and NICADs between uh, what's it three? Let me find it real quick. Three and three and a half. Three point three and a quarter to three and a yes. half. Yes, yeah. Which seems, I don't know, maybe ambitious, <laughs> but. But we're below that anyway. We're, yeah, we're way below that. Below. And a lot more power. 30% below. So. Yeah, this thing. I was, and, I was flying it the other day. I, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, I was going to say, when you're thinking about a power system, or at least the process I was going through, when you're powering up an old model with modern electronics, there's different directions you can go. Do you keep the same weight and just have gobs of power? Or do you take advantage and have the same amount of power and less weight or somewhere in between. So it sounds like we were all kind of somewhere in between. We all have much more power, but we're a pound under two. So anyway, go ahead. Fitz. Oh. Um, yeah, the thing is tremendously overpowered. You can practically hover the thing, except the control servers are not quite big enough, but you, I can do limited hovering with it. You mean you're way over one to one? Yeah, it was, it's way overpowered. I wouldn't really recommend the Rimfire 25. You, the Rimfire what, 15 <laughs> would be just perfectly fine. I don't know where they got that recommendation, but I thought I would go with their stock recommendation, see how it works. Uh, and it, it works fine. I mean, it's a very fun model. It's still underweight, so it's nothing wrong with it per se. You're, uh, it's just uh, you don't need that much power with it. It's a Cub. It's, it's not a, a, a 3D machine. Uh, 
but hey, whatever works. <laughs> you, you flew it like one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was fun, though. <laughs> so did you have to do anything special to mount that motor? Yes. Um, as I mentioned before, the, the they give you sort of a plywood motor mount kind of thing, which was just totally not not adequate at all. Um, I, I made a token attempt at putting it together, uh, and I realized pretty quickly that for two reasons. But it's kind of a cradle for the camera. Yeah, it's a cradle for the camera. The well, I thought maybe I could modify it for use with the Outrunner, uh, but A, the wood just wasn't the quality enough to hold up to the stresses, and B, it really wouldn't fit very well without doing a lot of hacking, and, and it was already a weak structure. So what I did was I took a totally different approach. Uh, I went down to uh, a hardware store, and I found some really long 632 screws that were pretty much fully threaded all the way. And using a combination of the, the four long screws, I think they're about three inches long or something or more, and uh, nuts and washers and lock nuts, not, not lock nuts, lock washers, uh, I made a standoff mount using just those screws and nuts. And that actually worked really well. And it's nice and that it's easy to adjust for the for getting it straight on the cowl and for the uh, getting the motor offset and that kind of stuff. And so I so was initially a little worried about how well it would work, but it turned out it, it worked fantastic. It, I'm, with three-inch screws, I'm guessing that you have the prop attached directly to the motor rather than a prop adapter on the shaft. Uh, No, there's a shaft that comes off the motor. What do you oh, say? Okay, but the but the mount is on the front side of the motor. It's on, a, it's the, on the back side. So you had three inches from the firewall to the uh, motor? Just, it's a guess, roughly. But yeah, you have to, okay. it's about two or three inches. Well, sort of, of course, some screw has to go through the firewall in, into the yeah. so. Uh, it's an X, it's an X mount in the back of the motor. So the back is hard fixed and the motor spins with a shaft that sticks out. And I use some long screws. I can, don't quote me on the link, but they're roughly two, three inches, something like that. Uh, Oh, the reason why I had to use long screws because I had to shove the motor as far forward as I could because of the way the cowl and the shaft. And I also had to get a, a bunch of washers to offset the prop on the shaft so it wouldn't rub against the cowl. Oh, okay. So that was also another thing that I had had to be a little industrious in getting it. The, the, because normally you would press fit the prop against the back end of the shaft. But I couldn't do that because of the way the cowl was in the way to do that. I couldn't shove the motor forward enough inside the cowl. So I still had maybe a quarter of an inch, half an inch that I needed to take up with washers. So I went to the hardware store, bought a bunch of washers, and uh, roughened them up so they would grip. And then put those on, then put the prop on, and then offset the prop forward enough so it would clear the cowl. And how long did this whole thing take? <laughs> that sounds like a whole week project. No, no, it wasn't that bad. It, it took a little bit of thought, but it actually went together pretty quickly. I probably spent more time at the hardware store picking out the parts than actually doing it. Well, I will tell you, at creating those uh, never-before-installed twin motors on a Cub Wing from scratch, uh, that was a definitely a uh, two- or three-week job, so... <laughs> oh really? You you definitely had it easier. Yeah, well, I mean you were yeah. hand, hand crafting. I mean, you had to come up with, you know, I had to change the plans on the fly to, to support the uh, the motors, and yeah. you know I probably 
over-engineered it because I just didn't want them flying off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, and, and I'm not, and it's just too much detail to tell everybody what I did. And I'll, I'll create a video, uh, a YouTube video for my radiation page to, to go over all the photos I've toted. But I mean, it, they're reinforced pretty well, so they ain't going anywhere. Yeah, yeah it looks good. I'll have to say that was probably the, the most, um, I hate to say disappointing, but if they, the motor they recommend has no provisions for mounting it, in the instructions or in the plans. So you have to come up with your own mount to do it. Oh, well, I'm going to go on a limb and say that's a mistake. It could be. They don't They don't really recommend that thing. <laughs> no, they shouldn't. They do, but... I, so, yeah, if I'm here looking at the Tower Hobbies page, I don't see any mention of it on the website. So I've got the box in the workshop. I'll go check that it's out. It's right in the box. I thought it was on the... Yeah, I believe you. No, it's on the box. That's I look in the plans too. It's not there. So they need they should have installed an addendum to, you know, if they're gonna put the sticker on there, they should just throw something in the box for a brushless motor. So fits a, a brushless fifteen. <laughs> make an addendum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So I did not use a rim fire. I went rummaging through my parts bin and I found some antique hardware, but it's brushless. So I found a. Um, Nippy black brushless motor. Do you remember those? Oh, yeah. Made in the Czech Republic? Yeah. So I think I bought this from a Hobby Lobby sale back in the day, and it had never been used. It's new old stock, but it's probably uh, 2004, 2005, if not older. Um, it's a 1600 kV motor, um, which is kind of an awkward kV for an outrunner. But uh, anyway, it fits on there great. It has a built-in mount, and I used like you, 632 screws through the firewall with one-inch spacers, and that turned out to be perfect. That's all I had to do. And the prop adapter goes on the front, and everything worked out and lined up perfectly. So that part was really easy. So I'm using that motor with a 9, 4.5 prop and a 25-amp uh, fly zone speed control and a 3-cell 2200-milliamp-hour battery. And the battery goes pretty much in the same compartment as the NICAD. Yeah. I just added a tray that goes in there to hold it. And yeah, that's a nice thing. There's plenty of room for mounting a battery since it was designed for large NICADs. So. <laughs> yeah. And as I was putting all this together, I wasn't sure if I was going to need nose or tail weight. So I cut out the bottom of the firewall. So if I need to move the battery forward up under the motor, mm. I can do that. So, yeah. Um, Anyway, so I was very happy with how clean and easy the motor install was. And the only thing I had to do um, was plug up the hole in the firewall that has that hole in there for the brush motor to pass through. So I kept the, the punch out in the firewall, and then I put a piece of 164th ply on either side to kind of mm. seal it over. Um, and that was it. And then just drill the holes for the bolts to go through. Oh, and then hog out the part for the battery if I need that. So, anyway, all pretty easy stuff. It's quicker to do than it is to sit there and stare at it and figure out what you're going to do. So, yeah. What radio did you guys use? I know you used the Tactically. What about you, Fitz? Uh, I used a hybrid. I had a Futaba radio with some Tactic servos. Oh, okay. What size? Is the plans call for mini servos? Uh, I use micro servos. Yeah, yeah all, you know, in fact, it was funny. I actually had got a mini servo for the ailerons, and when I started putting it together, there's a little insert 
for a micro servo. And so I just I just went with the micro servo instead. Oh, that was another change I made. Yeah. I put I put aileron servos in. I put uh, one in each wing. All oh, right. Okay. So the plans call for a center servo with flex cables, right? Torque rods. Oh, that's right. Torque rods. Okay. Yeah. I well, I guess the fact that I don't know that tells you that I went with individual servos too. Seems so much easier, mm. and you can trim individually. I think I went with 65s in the wing and 81s in the fuselage. You mean high-tech HS dash? Yeah. Yes, Terry. <laughs> well, you're just spouting out numbers. <laughs> oh, our listeners know. Oh, yeah, 65s. Uh, <laughs> um, I used Tactic TS5s, which I think are HS55 equivalents, microservers. Oh, except on the rudder. I had a Futaba... It's the same size as those micros, but it's a little bit meatier. So I, I don't remember the numbers, but mm. I used the Futaba on the rudder and then the Tactic TS5s on elevator and eject. I think I used the Metal Geared micro for the ailerons of the Tactic. So, oh, yeah. really? See, I worry a little bit about the rudder because the tailwheel is attached directly. Oh, yeah. So it's going to take a little bit of abuse, perhaps. But, so, Terry, yeah. I, I'm a little confused. Uh, Fitz has got the overpowered cub. I have the twin cub, and uh-huh. nothing, nothing you have said so far has made me believe that you have done anything different to this cub, except you know, I'm, making I'm a yellow cub. Image. <laughs> I, uh, Is there a Bombay? Not Did you add a Bombay door? <laughs> you know you have I rockets in the wings. I, oh, I wow. went legit this time, but the biggest change that I made, and you might laugh at me, but. Um, when I looked it over before I started building, the only thing that bugged me was the cockpit windows are undersized. They just look out of place. So I put, I couldn't quite do the proper size cockpit windows because the formers and the fuselage line up with the, the window, the partitions. Yeah. But I made a, you know, kind of a happy medium between the two. Ends up they're about thirty percent bigger than the stock ones, and I think it looks a lot better. Yeah. So did that pop out to you guys at all? Uh, no. I I uh, probably did something that's well, I don't want to say sacrilegious to you, but I just covered them up. <laughs> oh, that's okay. With, I just I, I mean I have a nice windshield which worked mm-hmm. really well with the canopy glue. I will say something the instructions probably should have said before you put that canopy on is paint the darn cockpit oh yeah i mean yeah. i thought of that before doing it i maybe someone who's starting this for the first time might not you know think about that but that should be done before you glue in that canopy oh but, yeah um and then i don't know if you got to see the photo terry but i actually have a person in my cockpit but it's a nice but i well it's not a character it's a piece of paper that i've got it's a photo of an sr-71 pilot <laughs> Uh-huh. In that little that little former window, I just slid a piece of paper in there, so that way I can just keep changing the pilots around. That should be in Fitz's. <laughs> it should She's be. <laughs> yeah, I guess I forgot to mention. I found a uh, file for a three D printed pilot online that I cut just for the torso section and printed that out. So I had a three D printed pilot that I still need to paint them, but yeah, I scaled them for the right sizes to fit in there. Okay. Are you happy with how that turned out? Yeah. Weight and finish wise? Yeah, yeah, it was very light. It's set a very It's not too textured or anything. Uh it's got a little bit of a texture, but yeah, you're not gonna notice. 
that well. Okay. So our buddy Steve Mills recently did a 3D printed pilot, and he was not crazy about the texture on it, but it looks pretty. Uh, cool. It depends on the, the print setting. I printed mine on extra fine setting, so it's. Well, you saw it, Lee. What did you think? Well, we all agreed that the microphone looked weird. Oh yeah, I think that was a scaling issue. It was much bigger, and I scaled it down, and so sometimes you lose detail when you do that. It and Terry's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> it, it, he's he's supposed to have a headset, but at first we thought it was a cigar <laughs> out of his mouth. But then closer closer look at the three D print, it's a, his headset microphone, and so uh, okay. So you could just omit that and then add one, or yeah, yeah, I can whatever. keep that. It wasn't a big deal. So did you guys add an air exit hole to your fuselage? Pshaw. No. No. That was an afterthought for me, but I did just right in front of the tail. <laughs> hey, Terry. Yeah. Oh, I don't need to because uh, my exit holes are in the wing cowls. You don't have any entry uh, holes. Well, I guess you do. The, no. the battery hatch has unavoidable <laughs> entry holes, right? No, no, no. I On my plane, my cowl is completely set. My battery doesn't get hot at all. With with okay. those two four hundred size motors, three S three thousand, nah. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't need either because I'm just flying around at idle. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't know if I'll need it or not, but I'm like, yeah, I, I know I've got air coming in. I might as well let it out. <laughs> so the guy who lives in the northernmost part of the country from us has the cooling holes. <laughs> and us that lives in a sweltering hot heat don't have cooling holes <laughs> alright I, I know these are just kind of random thoughts I'm looking at my notes I did because it's in the instructions I did add the lightning holes on the rear deck and I'm kind of glad I did because I was tail heavy yeah I thought about that and I'm like oh it seems like a lot of work yeah I didn't do that it's, No, it was did you think it was awkward easy. how they have you install that you're talking about the, the, the rods the um uh, no, the formers for those rods. Oh. You put them on the deck first, and then you install the deck oh. inverted. Yeah, I uh, I'm yeah. gonna tell you, I like that. I uh, yeah. I might be the I might be uh, the odd man out, but that was very unique. I've never done it that way before, and I'm wondering if that it contributed to the you know completely straight fuselage. I'm gonna say no because I <laughs> did not do it that way, and mine was still straight. So. <laughs> I I had yeah. no issues. Just different ways to skin a cat, I suppose. And that's why we call it three view. We all have a that's different right. opinion. Yeah, <laughs> all agreed. Two of us would be redundant. <laughs> Which two would it be? Now, um, I had one question for you, Fitz. What color scheme did you go with? I went with a navy cover scheme called an NE one, and I thought it was a rather striking scheme. After I found some pictures of it, and, it, and it's nice uh, tricolor. White and two shades of blue, navy blue and like a medium blue, and I—it's I, a combination of covering and and airbrushing, and I, f I got some decals from Cali Graphics. She actually already had some made up that were the right size, so uh, it's a turned out to be actually a really nice paint scheme, easy to see in the air, un unusual for a cub, and uh, I didn't want another yellow cub because I've had several yellow cubs, so no more yellow. I built a yellow. <laughs> well, that's fine for you. <laughs> I'm talking about me. <laughs> I don't care so about you. What paint did you use to... The cowl is ABS. What did you use to paint? Uh, I used two different paints. I used some Rust-Oleum paint, spray paint out of a can. 
and I used some Tamiya uh, plastic model paint that I airbrushed. Ah, okay. See, I could not find Cub Yellow paint. Um, they make the top flight stuff that's supposed to match the Cub Yellow mm. covering, but it was out of stock. So what I ended up doing was going to Home Depot and getting basically latex house paint. There's a color that's really close to the Cub Yellow. I bought a sample of that. Mm. And I tried it directly on a scrap of ABS first, and it kind of stuck, but not really. So I ended up painting it with a plastic-compatible primer and then painting the latex over it. Mm. And, eh, it's okay. I'm not crazy about it, but it works. That's good enough for now. It's yellow. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the same paint that I used to paint the interior too, right on the balsa. Mine's blue and white. <laughs> what oh, what oh. paint scheme I went with? Um, no, I'm kidding. I said one thing I really liked about going with this kit was that you know working with balsa, working with wood, uh, it really gives you a chance to, uh, and pardon the expression, uh, build outside the lines. You know, and quite frankly, we all had to, right? Because <laughs> some pieces didn't fit right. Uh, but you know, it was great. It was it was fun uh, to think that I could convert that to a twin, and I was able to do it. I think it turned out real well, and I'm I'm actually looking forward to our next review because I kind of wonder what we'll all we'll all do next. So I think all three of us used tower coat for our models. Is that true? Correctamundo. Yeah, okay, so they sort of. Uh oh. Huh? Got dissension in the ranks. It was not just Tower Coat. I have a mixed blend. Uh oh. So you mixed Coke and Pepsi? Uh, and root beer. <laughs> Were there any explosions? <laughs> no, but I had some issues. Continue with yours. I'll explain mine later. Okay. Well, mine's all one color. I did the Cub Yellow. Mine's the traditional finish. Um, so, yeah, it's all Tower Coat, Cub Yellow, and my. Cub stripe, the little lightning thing was, um, I made it out of black packing tape. And they give you a template on the plans for that, so that made it real easy. So, pretty straightforward. And I don't know if this is my first time using Tower Coat, but um, yeah, I thought it worked pretty well. And I was worried about the wingtips, and I wouldn't say they were easy, but I got them done on the first try. How about you? Which you are you talking to? Either one. Well, I guess Lee wants to be the the stinger, so I guess I'll go. Uh, I I used uh, two different colors of tower coat, the medium blue and white, since I was doing a navy paint scheme. And I thought, just like Terry, it just worked just as well as monocoat. Didn't you know? If I hadn't known it was tower coat versus monocoat, I I couldn't have told pretty much tell the difference. So uh, it seemed to work just as well for me. It it worked pretty good. Uh, like you, wingtips were uh, a little bit tedious, but I got them done and uh, all in one piece. It was a careful use of a heat gun and uh, the iron. I was able to work it around and do a reasonably good job of doing it. So is there a strategy for that, for doing those concave compound curves? It's a... Uh, yeah, I actually tried something a little different this time, something I saw somewhere, I think a video or something, because normally I just sort of stretch it over and hit it with the iron and stretch it over. But this time I used a little heat gun that I had picked up that actually turned out to work pretty well. Uh, it's a little small one. I think I got it fries for heat shrinking, uh, heat shrink tubing. 
okay. the heat shrink tubing. It's small, but it works surprisingly well. It's a little handheld thing. So um, you can control the heat a little better? Yes, precisely. exactly. Uh, Very good precise control of the heat. And so as I stretched it over the wingtip, I could kind of heat it with the heat gun and sort of semi-stretch it, pre-shrink it, stretch it. And, and it worked pretty good just doing that carefully and then hitting the last bit with an iron to seal everything over. Okay. And it seemed to work reasonably well. So, you know, I've got one of those little heat guns too, but I didn't think to use that. And I went with my regular heat gun and it was kind of touchy because once it starts to melt, it melts a big area. Yeah. And so, you, and I guess the initial issue is when you pull and stretch it around this thing, you've got a lot of extra material that folds over if you don't shrink it. And so, yeah, it's a little, I'm sure there's a technique. There's probably some guy that could show, no, you just do this and it goes right over. But I never learned that technique. I, so it was tedious. I, I, I've always been only mediocre at covering planes. There's some guys that are just somehow have the knack. Uh, I remember one time when I, way years ago when I worked at a hobby store, some guy came in and had covered his model and it looked beautiful. It was like, it looked like somebody who'd been, had done it professionally. Hmm. And I started asking the guys, like, well, you know, how long have you been doing this? And he's like, oh, this is my first time trying. I wanted to smack him. I think you legally could. <laughs> I mean, it was show quality. It was beautiful covering job with Monocote and it was his first time ever. I, I just, I just, just wanted to go in a corner and cry. Right. Well, overall, I'm really happy with mine. I took a little extra effort sanding and prepping. You know, I went to a, a level I wouldn't normally, and I like the results. My only disappointment is that spine behind the cockpit, which is also another kind of concave, complex curve. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I did it in two halves. I basically did the right half and the left half, and they met in that middle. And so I had to make a seam there, and the seam isn't straight. It's kind of jagged. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, see, I did mine in three pieces. Uh, uh, see, I thought about that. I wasn't sure which was going to work better. So I tried this, and the finished result looks good, but when you get close enough to see the seam, but I don't hate it enough to redo it. Uh, so. Yeah, I found doing it in three pieces was easier. The uh, three pieces being one over the top and then one on each side? Yes, if I remember correctly. Okay. That's how I did it. Okay. Uh, and it came out pretty good. I didn't have a, Once you broke it up like that, it wasn't an issue. All right. Well, Lee, it's your turn. Uh, I'm going backwards from the, the recent conversation. I did three pieces, okay. too. Um I didn't really, I didn't feel like the seam was uh, that bad, and it made it covering much easier. On the spine, you mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, how about those fillets, though? I'm going to stay in this little area. When you did the tail, did you, uh, did you monocoat those fillets that are by the fin? Oh, uh, yeah. I didn't have any issue with that. Did you, did you cover them first or cover it when you were trying to do the tail? Well, I thought about covering my tail surfaces before I assembled them on the plane, but Ultimately, I decided against it because of those little fillets. It was going to make it difficult to integrate. So everything was on there, and I just, I think I included those as part of the horizontal stab. Well, was that was kind of a step. That was one of my notes. Uh, I would disagree with, well, I'm glad it worked for you, Terry. And looking at your final product, it looks great. I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't change it, but... From my experience, I re I went ahead and covered the tail surfaces first, 
and uh, which I felt was a much easier process than trying to do it while I was on the fuselage. And I, I spent a lot of time carving those little, are they called them fillets? Would you call them like, you know, tail fillets? I think yeah, so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot, a long time shaping those and making them, you know, key in just right to that last former and, uh, you know, where they, where it comes up to the tail and I covered them too. So, I mean, I, I was very happy with the way the covering worked on mine. Now, that being said, that was all monocoat because I was using two different colors. And when we picked our colors, we all just picked a color. So well, I picked a blue as well. And that was the, uh, the tower coat, which I guess look doing all the research. It's a, it's a cono coat. It's just towers. Oh, is branding. it? Okay. Just rebadged a cono coat. Okay. Mm-hmm. And if I understand that's a lower temperature film, like even can go on some foams. Exactly. And then I think that's one of the, recommendations they they have for a kind of code is for you know very low heat foam type aircraft this is the first time i've ever used it i've never uh, played with a kind before and th- there were pros and cons well i think a pro of the low heat was that it uh, didn't melt <laughs> as quickly as some you know a haphazard attempts you know may have gone before in the past uh so i didn't have any problems with that i think it stretched pretty well uh, it does have kind of a rubbery feel to it did y'all feel that way did you i mean when you when you do the thump test <laughs> test, <laughs> test i don't know just it, it gives a little it's, it's got like a deeper tone so i think it does give a lot more than monocoat monocoat to me seemed a lot stronger uh, but the downside i have to it is that even though it, it stuck pretty well i had a lot of debris coming off that iconicoat or excuse me tower coat on my iron um I had a sock on my iron, but it was it was used, so I didn't have another one. So I was just using the the fresh metal off the iron, and I just kept getting so much blue residue. So if I you know run over a seam or something, I, it was a lot more than I'm used to versus monocoat. Did y'all have any problems? Not a lick. Nice. I don't think I ever had to clean my iron. Maybe you were too hot. I had my iron at the like straight up on the temperature gauge. So whatever the middle is, that's what worked for me. I I was real low. Okay. Huh. Uh, I can't say that I noticed any either. Uh, I use a sock myself, so. Um, I I think I'm it may not have, I, If I if I had the sock or a new sock, it may have been better. But I when I was using well, I had three different brands on my plane, uh, and the reason There's I had three problem. is. <laughs> well, the reason I had three is because I ran out of my white monocoat, and, and my local hobby shop did not have white monocoat. I guess everybody and their brother had a white plane that weekend, uh, so I had to use a different brand. Uh, I used Ultra Coat to do a couple of touch-up spots. Um, I like monocoat. I think it's my my go-to. I oddly enough, though, there was one piece I had on. I guess from another roll, I had like three rolls of white monocoat. And one roll just did not want to stick. In fact, when I was doing my wingtip, it was just not going well. So I've learned from my previous experience, if I'm doing a wingtip and, and trying to make it curve just right, I'll just stop. <laughs> I'll rip it off and I'll do it again. And right. and, and therefore I ran out. Uh, but, I mean, otherwise, I, I didn't have a problem with the kind of coat. But tower that being coat. said, tower coat. <laughs> well, it does. I'm, I'm telling you what it says. But I think, I think because of how long I've been using Monocoat, that will be my go-to. Okay. Well, and something that's significant here, a roll of Monocoat is 15 bucks. This Tower Coat is 5 bucks. 
That's one third the price. Wow. Do you like it three times more? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. That's. <laughs> I, I can see that. <laughs> All right, that. That's your opinion. I think. I think it's an extremely good deal for five bucks. Uh, I think it's. It's very good value. And so it took two rolls to cover the cub, and I have. I don't know, maybe a third of a roll left. And normally, I would try to be very conscious about using scraps to fill in areas and things like that. But I'm like, five bucks a roll? I'm just going to cut a new piece and go yeah. with it. It's not worth the time to try to be meticulous with it. Now, I may be wrong, too, but I think the tower coat is lighter than monocoat. Is that correct? I don't know. It might be good for smaller, lighter planes versus monocoat for larger planes. Hmm. But just had to double-check the numbers. Could be. Uh, one thing I should go back is... Um, I don't think you guys did, but I painted part of mine. Since it's a three-tone, the third tone was painted. Okay. And that was an interesting and new experience for me because I don't recall ever painting monocoat. Uh, and so I had to look it up and see what was the best technique. Uh, the hobby shop was out of the uh, the paint from Top Flight, designed specifically for painting monocoat. All right. So I ended up doing some experiments with different paints. I tried some... Uh, plastic model paint from Tamiya and spray can, and that didn't work very well. And then I ended up using, I believe it was the Rust-Oleum I got from uh, the hardware store. Rattle can? The rattle can, Rust-Oleum. Uh, they have stuff that says it's for plastic. And I, I prepared the surface first. I used uh, Scotch-Brite, basically, to uh, scuff the surface, clean it up, and then I uh, ran some fingernail polish remover on it and some uh, denatured alcohol. I don't know if that was overkill, but I just wanted to really make sure it was clean and if any residue. And then for the wing, I just sprayed it from the rattle can because it was just a top part and just carefully sprayed that over. And um, But for the more detailed part of the fuselage and tail, I decanted the spray can into a cup and then poured it into my airbrush. And then airbrushed it. Uh, Fancy. Yeah, to get the feathered effect and stuff. And it ended up working fairly well. There's a few spots where the paint kind of rubbed off a little bit. But for the most part, it worked pretty good. Did you have to thin it? Or does the can consistency relate well to airbrushes? It relates well to airbrush. Just spray in. What okay. I use, I use a short piece of straw. Take a piece of straw, cut it about two or three inches in length, and hold it up to the nozzle of the spray can, and then spray it uh, into a cup. And you can pour, you know, a quarter ounce or whatever, and then for that little cup, pour it into the airbrush, and have at it about 20 psi or so. And, uh, I have a dual action airbrush, and it gave me a nice feathered edge, and spot detailing. And your cup won't rust. And it won't rust. Yeah, I hate when my balsa would rust. <laughs> now you've had the airplane in the sun, I take it. Yeah. Have you noticed any problems with the covering expanding or shrinking with the paint on it? Uh, no, no. Seems to do pretty good. Okay. Yeah. No, I didn't really awesome. notice anything. The only thing that's tricky is when you put the decals on, you have one shot to get the decals right. Otherwise, you're ripping up paint. Oh, try right. to reposition it. Yeah. So you have to be really careful. And did you use water slide decals? No, I used the vinyl decals from Calligraphics. Oh, okay. That's right. Yeah. yeah. All right. Interesting. Now, Lee, with yours using different materials that I assume have different temperatures and shrink rates and all that, have you noticed any issues when you 
get it in the sun? Yeah, um, I noticed that I, I was taking a look at the cub the other day. It was in my garage, and uh, the blue had wrinkled a little bit, but um, not nothing significant. All right, so here's the big question. Did you use covering on your wing struts? I didn't. I just painted them. Same here. It says to cover them, and I looked at that, and I'm like, there is no way. <laughs> I'll spend half a day trying to cover those little things. Yeah. And ladies and gentlemen, Lee did. Wow. How long did it take you? Three hours. No, I don't know. How many long? I'm sorry, Terry, but you couldn't cover four pieces of sticks. <laughs> in a V? I don't know. This came at the end of covering the wing, so I was probably already saturated with my tolerance for cutting pieces of monocoat. Yeah. Did, did you bevel your wing struts? Bevel. Did you shape them accordingly? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. They're totally square. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I, that took more time because they yeah. should have told you to do that before you glued them in a V. I think they did. I, uh, I don't think so. I think it also makes them harder to cover. <laughs> it did so for a while. No, I did. I not only them. did they tell you to round the edges, they say to put an airfoil shape in it. And I did. Like, There's no way. No. I, mean, that, I, I did halfway. The, I, I rounded the, them, but I didn't airfoil them. But here's I think here's I the rounded the front edge of the leading strut, and that was as much as I was going to do. Because well, aerodynamics on a cub, I mean, you're just wasting your time. The funny issue. The, <laughs> I'm laughing because you guys didn't do it. I did cover it, but I'm the only one who didn't use the struts. <laughs> oh, I noticed that on a picture. <laughs> and you you mentioned one of the reasons why. You were talking what? to us. Did you guys have a problem with your struts not work, uh, fitting? Oh, per the plans, mine were too long. I mine were too long. Them. Yeah, that, that was an easy fix. It, well, it would have been. Until I realized if I had to trim them shorter, they were going to run into my twin engines. Oh, right. <laughs> now, I was thinking ahead when I put my servos in the wing. I'm like, okay, I got to make sure that they don't interfere with the struts and all that. So I, I thought I was being really clever, but I never thought about it with your motor pods. So uh, I can't And you use... told me an interesting story about your motor pods. What, what was the, the thing you designed it after? Oh, you didn't the, just throw two motors on a cub. There's some the Piper Apache. Okay, so the Apache was with their first twin. Pipe, yeah, Piper's first twin was called the Apache, a low wing. Uh, was it and, a cub wing or a cub-like wing? I I wouldn't call it that. Okay. Looking at looking at the photo now, it's okay. But you proportioned your pseudo twin cub like an Apache. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. No. Well, I um, I mean, I put the reinforcements where they're supposed to go for the wing struts, and when I tried to shorten them, they were running in not only to the, I don't, I'm not sure if it was the actual cowl that it was hitting or the servo arm that I had modified, um, you know, because you and I put aileron servos in the wings. Uh -huh. So I'll go back and I'll probably put some kind of uh, you know other mount and bring the struts in just a little bit, using my monocoat covered or excuse me tower coat covered. <laughs> wing struts. Wait, Bring let me try this again. My shaped, <laughs> V-shaped, tower-coated wing struts. <laughs> you know, Hobby Lobby used to sell airfoil-shaped hardwood for pretty cheap, but I don't think you can buy it anymore. And it was perfect for wing struts. Hmm. So. And well, you can buy, uh, I think K&S makes airfoil-shaped aluminum tube, but yeah, I don't know if that's an option here. 
Well, and just to let everybody know, and this is actually in the instructions, it says you do not need the struts for this plane to fly. It's only for aesthetic purposes. Um, did it say only aesthetic? I think it said it doesn't need them, but if you add them, it does make them a little stronger. I don't know. <laughs> it, they're ultimately attached with these little thin plastic straps. So. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you, with the screws they give you, it's a little bit hard to take them on and off whenever you want to remove the wing. So there's a price to that. Well, I kind of disagree. It depends. I just use the two bottom screws on the fuselage. Pop yeah, those out, and then I, I tape them to the wing at the, when the wing's removed, and it's actually pretty quick. Okay. But for the most part, I don't need to remove the wing, so I keep it on. Hmm. Uh, I needed to when I went to the flying because I had so many planes shoved into the car. Yeah, you had a bunch. Yeah. Wow, I saw the picture. That was impressive. <laughs> Why, thank you. <laughs> okay, so are, are we done talking about building this thing? Yeah, let's talk about how this and thing it, flies. And I'm going to guess that our three airplanes fly very differently from each other. Yeah, probably. Even though they're the same kit. So, and that's the beauty of all this. Yeah. Well, we got three different, totally different power systems in each, all three of them, right? I'm pretty sure mine sounds differently than y'all's <laughs> too. Yeah, if there was a sound category, you'd probably win. And I've ben, never even heard yours. Well, Ben was all over that. I, I remember him because like, that sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's twins do that to you. All right, so who wants to go first? Who's well, flew first? Let's put it I, that way. I was going to say, I flew first. Okay. Kind enough to watch the maiden. And Did you both maiden on the pre-day, the pre-best day? Yeah. 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 Okay, yeah. awesome. Okay, we'll go in order to how and they flew then. Lee, uh, fl I I don't know what to tell you. As it flew great. I the you know take off. It, it'll take me a while to get used to this tail dragger. Uh, I'll tame it soon. But uh, in terms of what you're a tail dragger pro, I, I am. That's but different. I mean, some some take off a little quicker than others. Uh, this one, I you know maybe I've got a wheel tighter than the others or something because she kind of she was. Uh, what do you think? Yawn right there fits on takeoff. Whatever she, you know, her tail came up real quick. But I mean, I took off cross runway. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you have both five props going the same direction. Yeah. Okay. And uh, well, that was great. I mean, she uh, she jumped up, and I only had a little trim trim to do. Now the the only problem I have with the plane, as far as flight characteristics, is that. I have a, a limitation with my ailerons due to my hinges and a covering issue. I didn't really get to go into that, but when I when I when I was using two different coverings um, and they cross over on the trailing edge, when I CA the hinges in, some of the monaco covering came off and it it bunched up. So I don't have full deflection like fits <laughs> on my ailerons. So I actually actually reduced the throws to almost like fifty uh, percent. So she's not a, a rolling aircraft, but that being said, flies really well. You know, I can't roll the darn thing, but she did loop. Um, but she's she's very stable. I mean, I I don't think there was I didn't have to change anything in the CG. So where it was was perfect. And that's and, the, the plans location. Yes, correct. Okay, which and, I thought was kind of far back. It's behind thirty percent. I didn't calculate exactly what it was, but it's. 31-32% of the mean aerodynamic cord, which is pretty far back, I think. Well, I, I may have made an adjustment with the battery in like the second flight. She moves a little... I think I, you know, I had told you I put lightning holes uh, on my rear deck, so um, 
I think on the second flight, I probably put a little bit more down uh, in it. But uh, no, I mean, it flew great. Flew scale like. I mean, at half throttle, she was just cruising along great. Uh, really, I mean, can I tell you, one of the best maidens I think I've ever had with a plane. You know, just nice and nice and gentle. So remind me, I know you said it. How much does yours weigh? Uh, I was like two pounds, 13 ounces. Wow. Okay, which is lighter than original with NICADs and brush motor by a fair margin, at least half a pound. And how much power do you have? Ish? Uh, well, two 400s. Two 400 speed motors running 945 props. Okay. 15 amps. That's going to be 15 amps per motor. Yeah. Okay. So it shouldn't be a slouch. I bet it climbs nicely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She, she will. And you get no. a lot of prop wash over the wing. So. And I, it's funny. I was wondering if I was going to have any issues with the tail, you know, with the, the two motors, but no, nothing at all. Okay. Awesome. And then there's Fitz. Well, yes. <laughs> it was night and day. They, they, may have, they may have been sitting on the ready, runway side by side, but that's that's it. <laughs> Blue flies. That thing got a hemi? Good. Flies like it does. I mean, you could you could put that on a launch pad straight up. <laughs> put a launch lug on that thing and you're, you're a rocket man. Yeah, you could fly it around at third throttle and just be perfectly happy with it. <laughs> it's way overpowered after the first flight you know you just just if you gun the throttle it just go straight up it'll go roll for about two inches and then go straight up but terry i gotta tell you something listening i mean i was standing next to fitz and he was laughing like a little kid i mean he was because of his previous experience i mean this was just so different i mean he was just laughing and just going, oh my god look at this thing you know he's it was like, you know, a brand new toy for Christmas. He was having such a wonderful time. <laughs> he finally had retribution from the destroyed cup. It, yes. Exactly. All right, my revenge. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was, I, it turned out to be a fantastic plane. I really enjoy flying it, despite, you know, being somewhat trainer-like. It, it Not only just the power, but it's a fun plane to fly. It it doesn't doesn't roll the fastest, even though Lee talked about his issues with roll. Mine, even with a lot more deflection, doesn't really roll all that quickly, but it's just fine for the type of plane it is. And it just has just a fun plane to kind of throw it on the sky, loops, rolls, inverted. Uh, it does these great forward slips. You can come on the runway sideways. It just kind of locks into position and holds it. It was, it was a lot of fun just doing that. Uh, and, and the rudder is very effective. You can... Even though it has ailerons, I could fly it all day just on rudder elevator, just as well as ailerons, which I was kind of surprised. Yeah, it doesn't have much dihedral, so no. yeah, I'll have to try that. Try it around, just, just for giggles, just just use a rudder, and you'll find that it's really effective, and it rolls right into the turns just as well. Uh, and it was just, it's just a fun plane to go up and do stall turns and fly it, both cub-like and uncub-like. Uh, and, of course, it's it's still very lightweight, since I guess it was designed for all those heavy round cells that the thing just kind of floats in you can slow it down and it just kind of puts in the sky if you wanted to uh so it's uh, just a all-around fun plane uh, it's one of the better flying clubs i've actually ever owned how many have you had i've had quite a few actually i have had a big one um and i've had an Another one I did for review, the Tower Cub, which is a big, oh, yeah, a big glow that. one. Yeah. 
and which is also a very nice plane too. Uh, and I've had I had a shore flight Cub, never quite finished, never really flew all that well. That's a foamy. It was old foamy, yeah. I had a gearbox and it kept exploding every flight. <laughs> Wouldn't stay together. <laughs> had an old Gropner Cub, which was pretty big. One of the early electric conversions I did. It flew okay, but it needed a lot of rudder and turns. It didn't quite like to turn unless you kicked in a lot of rudder. And the, this, the Great Plains one doesn't do that. It's just locks in whatever what you're doing with it. So, uh, you know, it's funny you're you're comparing all these different cubs you've had and talking about how different they are. But people tend to talk about designs very generically, like oh, cubs always fly great, or Mustangs are always tough to fly, Corsairs are impossible to land. But there's just so many variables that I think it's yeah. Uh, you can't make those sorts of generalizations. Agree. So, yeah. Hey, Fitz. Yeah. Um, one thing I commented to you when you were flying your cub was those wheels. Um, were those wheels? <laughs> was them? Was them wheels? Uh, what kind of wheels do you have on your mains? Uh, they're the Dubro ones. Those are rubber, not uh, foam. Yeah, they're Dubro rubber ones. I cheated slightly. I went. One size larger than the plans call for. I think they call for two inch. I think I went inch two and a quarter, something like that. Yeah, I I have foam wheels on mine. I need to get those rubber wheels that you have. His his landings were much uh, nicer than mine, and I I felt like my the foam was just too tight, so I was bouncing a lot. So I need to mm. I need to switch. Yeah, it's definitely the wheels. Definitely. Yep. Oh boy. <laughs> oh god. Were my squeaky? Was that the plane you guys were talking about? My squeaky wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> need, need a little bit of WD forty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I had uh, foam wheels on mine too, two inches, but the edges were really squared off, so it didn't look right. Um, so I got a a bolt and put the wheel on the bolt, chucked it up in my drill, and sanded the edges round mm. that helped a little bit sort of the, a little bit more cup-like i noticed terry like you did like i didn't put the little hubcaps on the wheels yeah you kind of got it you kind of got it you kind of have to um i don't know it just they don't look like cub hubcaps because on the cub the real cub the tire's very fat and the hubcap's flat mm. and this is kind of the opposite of that but i think the overall effect looks good yeah yeah I need to put the decal on there. They give you a cub decal that goes on the hubcap. Yeah, mine was missing from the decal set. I don't know if it was oh, oversight really? or what, but yeah, I didn't have the little cub decals. I thought it was all on a single sheet. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I got custom decals. Oh, and so okay. they the have ones to, that came with the kit. Yeah, the ones that came with the kit are black, right? Yes. Yeah, I need white ones. Ah, uh, right. And the decal set. Did I the got, military ones use those? Yeah, it was in the pictures. Oh, so interesting. Cub on the, yeah, I thought that was interesting, too, yeah. Did you do the hubcaps, Lee? No. Oh, okay. I'm kind of glad I didn't, because I, if I get new wheels, I, I might put them back on. Oh, yeah, you'd have to rip those off. They get yeah. glued on. You'd have to rip them off just to take the wheels off. Yeah. yeah. So, hmm, interesting. Mine came in at 2 pounds and 5.2 ounces. So I think I predicted... Two pounds, five ounces last time, so it was pretty close. Is that with or without the battery? That's ready to fly. That's okay. good to go. Um, the only thing it still needs is the um, cockpit windows. Mm. I'm going to leave the, the big side windows off because that's where the camera points through, um, but the front and back side windows I'll eventually put in there. So you came in three ounces lighter than mine. 
Which is not that much different considering you have a much bigger power system. Mm, that's probably where the weight went. I guess you're using a bigger battery too, right? Aren't you using a... No, I'm using, wait, what? I'm using a 3S2200. Oh, Lee's using a 3000. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, so the wing loading is nothing. And I'm flying on 220 watts. So a little over 100 watts per pound. And it flies very nice. The first time I flew it, it was kind of windy, and you could tell that it had a light wing loading. It was getting tossed around pretty rough. But I flew it several times this morning in light conditions, light wind, and it was really nice. It was fun just to shoot touch and goes. And like Lee's, it doesn't like to roll. You can do it, but it protests. It does much better if you roll with rudder and aileron. But stall turns, loops, a little bit of inverted flight, not much. Um, you know, it does all the basic stuff. And it's fun. What do you mean by a little bit of inverted flight? I mean, it'll do it, but it takes a lot of down elevator. And so, I don't know, it's just not fun to hold for long. Hmm. Fitz had no problem coming down the runway inverted. Yeah, well, <laughs> that's, that's why I was wondering. I don't remember having that much problem inverted. Well, I just don't have nearly the power that you do. Oh, maybe that's what it is. I keep the airspeed up a little higher. Because <laughs> yeah. it does have a flat bottom <laughs> wing, so yeah, inverted. Yeah. It's just more uh, brute force than any Bernoulli principle at that point. <laughs> right. right. So, Terry, that yep. you have had you have flights on it now, and I'm sorry you've, you've sanded your wheels to you know, make it all look pretty, but are you going to remove those wheels and put uh, snow skids on? Um, you know, that's a good question. I've thought about that. Um, it's a possibility, but I don't know. Because I have several planes that will slide on their belly off the snow, so maybe that'll scratch my snow flying itch, but I have thought about putting something on the cup. So The answer is I don't know. We'll see. I'd like to see that. Yeah. So would I. So would I. And I think there's off-the-shelf um, skis that would work. I just have to find some. Maybe Duber makes them? Yeah, I think mm. they did. Okay. Yeah. I, I should mention uh, also, just a side story, I took my cub to a club meet. We usually have, uh, during our club meetings once a month, people can bring their planes in. And if we want, we can enter them as for model of the month. And uh, so I took mine in. Uh, and I did not win model of the month, but I came very close. And it's rigged. Well, it's hard to compete with a you know nearly quarter scale Corsair. That's uh, it's all done up. <laughs> but I'm happy that it got that they said the voting was really close. So uh, I consider that a, a pretty good win from my little my little cub versus a big fire breather military Corsair. Yeah, all right. So uh, a lot of thanks guys for reminding push. me. Yeah, I was saying thanks for reminding me. I think our meeting is this Thursday, so I'll bring my uh, twin cubs yeah. see if I can. Get some loving. Yeah, bring it in. Uh, guys really liked it. They had a lot of questions. And, uh, Lee, a mutual friend of ours, was all astounded that I had built a plane. <laughs> he was like, you built that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you built it? Yes. <laughs> Did you have to fly to China to build it? <laughs> no. They give factory tours? I guess they had forgotten that I actually do build planes on occasion. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention, you know, I told you that I incorporated 
camera mounts into the wings. And so I've been using those too. And it doesn't even know that they're there. Oh, really? I think it adds about five ounces when you have two run cams on these mounts. Then, yeah, aerodynamically and weight-wise, it's insignificant. Did you put one on each wing, or did you just fly with one on one wing? No, I've been doing one on each wing. And I would do one on one wing. I would put a counterbalance on the other. Yeah. But, you know, if I'm going to counterbalance it, I may as well put another camera. Oh, neat. So, yeah. That's good to know. So I, uh, I shot some footage today. I'll um, Once I get it edited, I'll put something out there so you can see it. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's been fun. So I've got the wingtip camera mounts and like i said i've also got the one in the cabin that uh, the pilot covers and i've made one for the top of the wing in the middle i haven't used that so i think that'll be another interesting viewpoint so stand by on that <laughs> poor plane <laughs> <laughs> all of my airplanes get swiss cheesed with <laughs> camera mounts <laughs> Well, it sounds like we all really enjoyed flying our planes, you know, despite any issues we had with building it. Well, yeah, it's funny. Once we start start talking about the flying, all the little issues we had during building just kind of melt away. So that all seems worthwhile. Now, you take off from a grass field. you have any problems? Oh, no, not at all. Uh, yeah. And I would say it probably helps. It, I don't... I maybe have a little bit of bouncing every now and then, but not much. Yeah, so so it's pretty amazing. This is an old design. We're talking, what, pushing 30 years old? This kit's been in production in some form or another? You think, did we ever nail down when it was released? I know it had to be somewhere in the late 80s, 88, 89, something like that. Yeah, we'll have to call upon our audience to set us straight on when this model was put out there. Well, I think all in all, it's a very nicely designed model as far as how it flies uh there are some issues of course we had with the the construction and the the plans sorely needed to be updated for modern power systems and the motor oh no yes why why no why would the the box needs to because they tell you to put the humongous (laughs) motor that you use yeah well you look at the plan you say yeah here's a brushed motor and a gearbox Uh huh well, no, I think, if anything, Great Plains is missing out on some sales because they're not identifying modern stuff. Yeah. But to me, half the fun is figuring all that on your own and you know, deciding what to do with oh, it. Oh, yeah, sure, for us. Yeah, that's not a problem. Was- I'm hoping Great Plains calls me and says, hey, we'd like to add an addendum to the electric hub. Uh, could, do you mind giving us the specs on making it a twin so we can just, you know, if you want to build a twin. <laughs> yeah, a 50-page addendum. <laughs> now, it's funny. You use two Rimfire 400s. Um, I toyed with the idea of using a single Rimfire 400 on mine, and I'm convinced it would have been fine. So it's very close in power to what I actually used. I bet it would. Yeah. I mean, I've, I didn't fly that thing full throttle except maybe once or twice. It was just kind of a straight down... You know, she doesn't need it. Yeah, even mine, um, at 200 watts, I take off at, at half throttle. It's a nice scale-like takeoff. Mm. And if I go full power, it just jumps off the ground. But most of the flight is half throttle or less. So I used to have, you guys remember the Hobby Lobby Mist 2? Kind of an old-timerish looking thing. But this one had ailerons. But it's about the same size as this Cub, and I had one of those that I was using a Rimfire 400 on 3S, and it flew great. So that was my original plan. Um, but then once I saw this 
new old stock motor that had been sitting in my uh, motor drawer for years, I decided to go ahead and use that. But I just think there are so many different options to to equip this thing. It's and for me, that's half the fun. Hmm. You, you have standoffs for yours. Were we joking about that on how long the bolts were? For me, it was yeah. standard one-inch um, nylon standoffs. Okay. I think Fitz had the humongous ones. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, mine were a little longer, I think. I think mine were two inches. But I'm not sure why. Maybe, you had a, maybe the, the can was shorter on mine than yours. Yeah, it could be. Because yeah. <laughs> so, that's the question. If they do change the plans, what's what's the bet? It's going to be the Rimfire 400 or a 10, 15, or 25. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Good All point. right. So now that you've picked your power system and installed it, would you pick the same one again? I guess that doesn't really apply for you, Lee. Of course but, not. Yeah. So... Fits. Fits. <laughs> Would you rather have picked something that you know, did? Yeah, I'd probably be just as happy if I went, say, with like a Rimfire 15 or something in that class of motor. Yeah. Yeah, the 25 probably is, is overkill. It's fun overkill, but it's overkill. Yeah. So I'm kind of on the fence with mine. So I think for the given wing loading the power system is right because you're only going to fly it probably on calm days and you're not going to do crazy stuff with it. But I think there's a lot of headroom there to put more power in it and maybe a bigger battery to increase the wing loading a lot and, and make it a broader weather airplane. Mm. So I don't know. I'm happy with it the way it is. I don't foresee me changing anything at this point. I hope it's around mm-hmm. for a while. I'll have to mention, uh, not to be a downer, but one thing I would change is uh, the way the strut fairings are attached for the wheel, the landing gear struts. Didn't didn't we mention that? Did we talk about that before? Well, I don't know. Did we talk about it on the podcast or did we just talk about it in person? Because I thought I mentioned it to Terry, too, that that rubber band method is just silly. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, the plans show you chopping the rubber band, a number 64 rubber band into short sections, and then you glue it over the strut onto the fairing and then I guess up to the belly of the fuselage mm. and a three point attachment. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that's a little wonky. Yeah. So what did you end up using? I went with gaff tape. Uh, I thought it was really unique. Uh, gaff tape is, is not exactly like duct tape, but if you've never used gaff tape, go get some. But the fairings are attached with gaff tape to the fuselage. But then the pieces I put on the lower end, closer to the wheels, I have uh, a strip of gaff tape on the adhesive side in the middle so that it doesn't stick to the landing gear. And uh, then the outer area does attach to the fairing so it can move up and down when, with the wheels. So, uh, so far, it's, it's held on really well and haven't had any issues. And I'd like to mention that Keith Sparks gave me a compliment on that hmm. method of hmm. attaching it. So I think I've done good. I think I may end up doing the same thing because right now I'm still using rubber bands, but they've been really cantankerous keeping them attached. So I'm going to have to do something a little more permanent. I haven't just quite decided yet, but maybe I'll get some gaff tape and try it. And Terry? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I was muted again. I used goop to glue the the fairings directly to the strut. 
and then I left a gap between the bottom of the fuselage that allows it to move back and forth a little bit without hitting. And then I used one of their little rubber band strips to attach the back end of that uh, fairing to the bottom of the fuselage. And the rubber band is glued on with goop. And that has been working pretty well. So goop is the answer, right? Not CA? Goop is the answer to everything. <laughs> <laughs> you love your goop. I do, man. I, I, I use it every day. <laughs> Brush your teeth with it? <laughs> yeah. All right. So, where are some of our? Let's uh, wrap this up. And uh, I guess any closing thoughts on the Three View Cub? Well, <laughs> hopefully they've taken notes from the past mm. two episodes. <laughs> uh, it's it's a it's a good kit. There are some modifications you need to make. Uh, I don't know about you guys. Uh, I am doing a review video on Raviation for my twin, and I'll hopefully have that out in a week or two. Uh, are you doing a review on it as well, Terry? I am. Okay, so if if you need more information, I'll I'll be listing some of my <laughs> some of my grievances uh, or, or or recommendations rather. To, Airing of grievances. <laughs> nail of nailing up my all my grievances. <laughs> Does it have feats of strength as well? <laughs> you know what? I built the kit. It flies really well. That's a compliment. I'm going to say it's it is worth it. But there are some changes you're going to need to make and. Uh, I, you know, I'm glad I did this. I mean, it was a lot of fun to do this review, and I'm I'm looking forward to our next project. Well, yeah, I want to get to that in a second, but I think, and this just occurred to me, the three of us are fairly experienced in building kits plus ARFs and all that. So if you look at the stuff that we griped about, um, I think it really, a lot of it comes back to our preferences on how we do stuff, not necessarily a true fault in the kit. Yeah, there are some, like the laser cutting doesn't fit the way it's supposed to, but a lot of it is just it doesn't match what we would do. So I think it's, we were going to complain about something no matter what. <laughs> make it sound like, agree with that? We're going to sound like grumpy old men or something. Well, I mean, that, that's kind of true. You, the more you do this, the more you get your own way of doing things. So, and the end result, I think, reflects that. We started with the same box of wood and ended up with three almost completely different airplanes. So I, I don't know. I think it's hard to pass judgment on anything. I'm happy with it. I, I think there were times I was scratching my head and times that I swore under my breath, but I, I do the same thing with ARFs at times too. It's just, uh, it's the nature of the beast. And you, there's a sense of satisfaction when you overcome all that and you have an airplane that, you're happy with the way it flies and looks, and I'm happy with both on mine. And fits? I can't. You guys said it what, better than I could. I can't really add anything to that other than uh, I, I'm glad I did it. Glad I built version two of my got, – got a little bit of my childhood back, so I'm happy. <laughs> All those wasted years. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I guess we said all we needed to say about this, our extended version of the three view. I want to thank everybody for sticking with us and listening to this very special broadcast on it. And uh, if you ever get a hankering to, to build an old classic kit, I think you'll have a lot of fun with the Cub. It certainly flies fantastic. And on that, Or if you've already built one in the last 30 years, Bill, share your experience with us. Yes, leave us a note on our Facebook page or send us a note. We'd love to hear from you, even some pictures, too. 
We have a little collage or something going on. Uh, it's a classic design and great for using 21st century equipment. And flies good as a twin. It flies good as a twin. <laughs> <laughs> Probably flies even better as a four-motor. <laughs> Don't give me any ideas. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll see you guys next time. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions or listen to our other great podcasts. Where you will also find links to our iTunes and social media sites. Thanks for listening.